0: a new crackdown on COVID rule breakers. Hope has uh, rescinded their uh, their business license. Uh, their liquor license is also going to be uh, rescinded. Businesses refusing to comply with COVID protocols and what the province is doing to punish them. Crime and chaos in downtown Vancouver.
1: Very heartbreaking, it's, uh, it's devastating.
0: What the mayor is doing to address the problem. And a hit and run caught on camera police finally caught up with the driver.
2: You're watching Global BC. This is
0: Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. More than three weeks after BC's vaccine passport system went into effect, the provincial government is stepping up enforcement against businesses intentionally defying those rules. Kristen Robinson joins us now live with some of the details here. Kristen.
1: Chris now about uh, just a handful of BC businesses have been fined over the vaccine card program receiving violation tickets including Corduroy restaurant behind me here which is still serving customers tonight. Now we've also learned another restaurant in the Fraser Valley has been ticketed and fined and it's remaining defiant. Now, this is what happened when Global News entered Rowley's in Hope last month. No vaccine passport, no problem. This afternoon, staff at Rowley's say they got a visit from bylaw officers with the District of Hope. Signage was placed on the doors detailing a six-month business license suspension for failing to comply with the BC vaccine card system. The restaurant also received a closure order from a medical health officer but Roly says it's business as usual, an employee telling us the rules are just ridiculous and not about health. BC's public safety minister firing back.
0: It has everything to do with health and everything to do with people getting vaccinated and everything to do with us uh, defeating this pandemic. Uh, and the fact that the vast majority of businesses uh, in this province are complying and doing the right thing along with the public, uh, you know, what they, uh, the, the, their position is just uh, is, is, is not acceptable.
1: Now, the restaurant will face a $100 per day fine from the district if it remains open. Mike Farnworth also says Roley's liquor license is going to be rescinded, while Fraser Health has the option to seek an injunction to force its closure. Hope, meantime, has the lowest vaccination rate in Fraser Health. As of yesterday, more than 2,000 local residents over age 12 had yet to receive a single dose. Now that's about one-third of Hope's population of just children? over 6,100 people. Chris?
0: All right, thank you very much, Kristen. And uh, part of that vaccination reality is reflected in today's numbers. Let's take a look. We have 624 new cases And right now, about 5,900 active cases. There's been a big uptick in the number of people in hospital at 373. 132 of those are in the ICU. And four more people have died from complications of the virus. On the vaccination front, 82.1% of eligible British Columbians are now fully vaccinated. Now, an independent group of researchers is raising the alarm about the risk of COVID-19 in unvaccinated school aged children. Their report is released just as one company edges closer to getting a vaccine approved for that age group. Aaron MacArthur reports.
3: The fourth wave has been labeled the pandemic of the unvaccinated. At this stage, more and more, that means children.
1: When we think about a pandemic of the unvaccinated, that kind of helps us understand where the risk is.
3: According to data published by the Independent COVID Modeling Group, children under 12 now make up roughly half the unvaccinated people in B.C. The numbers are starting to reflect that. While cases have generally leveled off for the population as a whole, the numbers for children have continued to trend upwards. The data doesn't support exponential growth, but it is concerning.
1: By and large, it's happening because that is an unvaccinated age group that uh, has now circulation of a really infectious variant of COVID, the Delta variant. Vaccines for 5 to
3: 11-year-olds aren't likely to be approved for several more weeks. Pfizer planning on presenting its full data set to Health Canada in mid-October. The regulator will then begin to weigh the risks versus the benefits. It's clear vaccination will help reduce cases in children, but the benefit to society as a whole could be a game changer. Once kids are protected, infections, hospitalizations, and death across the board predicted to go
1: down. We think it will have direct benefits to kids. Of course, it has to be approved by experts. And it'll have indirect benefits to the, the parents, the carers, the teachers, youth, adults, and the rest of the community around the kids as well. While
3: BC's fourth wave has stabilized, vaccinating young children will be one of the keys to speeding the decline. Aaron MacArthur,
0: Global News. Premier John Horgan is being accused of downloading his responsibilities to protect B.C.'s school system. The NDP government has mandated COVID-19 vaccines for more than 30,000 provincial employees. But when it comes to schools, the province is taking a decidedly hands-off approach, saying it's not its jurisdiction. Richard Zussman explains.
4: 60 different boards, 60 different decisions, one patchwork approach to mandating vaccines at BC schools.
5: I'm pro-vaccine. I'm double vaccinated myself. I do believe that teachers, anyone working in uh, the schools, especially with those unvaccinated kids, do have a moral obligation to get vaccinated. But as an individual trustee, I am not comfortable making medical decisions on behalf of other people.
4: This is the position school board chairs have now been thrust into. The province announcing earlier this week, each district will choose whether it wants to require a vaccine in its local school system. For now, Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry unwilling to impose a BC-wide mandate.
6: Mandates are a last resort and it is a very small number of British Columbians that are not yet vaccinated.
4: But the province didn't hold back on a mandate in the public service, where unlike schools, they are the direct employer. When pressed on Thursday, Horgan offered up Henry and the public health team to provide direct guidance to the hundreds of school board trustees in BC.
6: There is a responsibility for elected representatives who, who put their hand up and said, I'd like to be on the school board to inform themselves about the best way to protect their employees and, and the children within their district. Uh, and I don't mean to be Uh, Accusatory here, but uh, there's no shortage of information. Transmission of COVID 19 continues to climb in the province's school
4: system. Children 9 to 11 are now three times as likely to get COVID as adults 18 to 39. The difference adults can get vaccinated, 9 to 11 year olds aren't eligible yet.
1: We see uh, case numbers rising in schools. We have parents and staff that are concerned about lack of information. Absolutely, there should be a province-wide consideration of what needs to take place in schools. That is the job of the government.
4: Dr. Henry still could change her mind based on the findings of a report looking at school transmission due middle of October. If it shows severe transmission of the virus inside the school setting, then she could bring in a province-wide mandate for vaccines. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
0: Vaccine mandates will be even more widespread soon. A couple of major crown corporations are going to be following the civil service, requiring employees be double vaxxed. Let's bring in Keith Baldry now for the details. And Keith, one of these is BC Hydro.
7: Yeah, it's a pretty big one. Um, 6,000 employees, BC Hydro announcing today they're following suit of the Provincial Public Service requiring their uh, employees, and not only their employees, but their contractors as, as well. And that's an extensive number. But Premier John Horgan today talking about uh, more than just Hydro, talking about other crown corporations and even BC Ferry. So BC Ferries staff now are required to be vaccinated, not the travellers, more on that in a moment, but other crowns such as ICBC, the BC Lottery Corp, and others likely to follow suit in the days ahead when it comes to vaccine mandates here's premier john horkin
6: that's why we're redoubling our efforts by bringing forward a a vaccine mandate for uh, public uh, workers uh, that are under the uh, uh, the contracts with the province of british columbia other businesses are doing that large and small as well as crown corporations bc hydro will have more to say on that later today And I'm sure there'll be questions about uh, the role of BC ferries and their staff, which are federally regulated, and how that will work uh, for those on the island and those uh, ferry-dependent communities.
7: So, BC Hydro employees have until November 22nd to become fully vaccinated. That matches the provincial public service rule, and their contractors have until January 10th. Now, when it comes to BC Ferries, not technically a Crown Corporation, although the government's the only shareholder, it's only staff on board that need to show uh, proof of vaccination. Traveling public, because it's an es- essential service, that is right now, for, for now's purposes, uh, not required for passengers aboard B- uh, BC Ferries. So that could change in the months ahead, but right now, vaccination mandates are growing number and they're going to extend into various sectors big time it's not
0: getting smaller it's getting bigger sounds like it all right keith Baldry and victoria thanks keith on the heels of tuesday's announcement on third dose eligibility there are growing calls for that list to be expanded even further one bc care home wants the provincial government to expand booster shots to include staff members and kamal kuramali
8: explains
1: Jean, can I hold your hand?
8: Like most assisted living homes, the care at Menno Place in Abbotsford is mostly hands-on.
1: Having a good day?
8: Just ask and Brar.
1: They become your family and you become their family.
8: The care home dealt with a major COVID-19 outbreak in early September. Among them, nine staff members who contracted the virus, all of them double vaccinated.
1: It's scary because, you know, I have two children at home too, right? So I come here and I look after the most vulnerable, but I also go home to, you know, vulnerable children.
8: That's why Meno Place is among many BC care homes pushing for booster shots for their workers.
1: It breaks your heart if there's something out there, a tool in the toolkit that we don't have access to.
8: The province announced only residents of care homes would be eligible for a third dose starting this week.
1: We are expanding the availability of a third dose.
8: Expanding the eligibility even further Tuesday. Glaringly absent from the list, staff at care homes.
9: The concern is growing. Without that booster, they uh, put themselves at risk, but uh, importantly put the residents at risk as well.
8: Studies have shown both Pfizer and Moderna's effectiveness starts declining six months after receiving the second dose.
9: Uh, Staff in care homes uh, got vaccinated Uh, alongside residents uh, over six months ago.
8: And at some care homes, like Menno Place, staff are believed to be more at risk.
1: If you look at our our current staffing, the average age is 57. So they're almost seniors themselves.
8: Increasing risk as the vaccine's efficacy drops. Now a message to the province.
1: We need our booster shots, (laughs) please. The
8: province says care home staff will be eligible for third doses eventually after residents have received their boosters.
2: Because of the vulnerability of those people, that would be useful in protecting them through this winter.
8: But the BC Care Association says so far, no staff or residents at care homes across BC have received the booster shots this week. Kamal Karamali, Global News.
0: BC's emergency response system is struggling just as we head into the Thanksgiving long weekend. And today, ECOM posted a warning on social media to expect significant delays if you call 911. It's just the latest crisis facing anyone in need of urgent health care from an overwhelmed system. Ted Chernecki has the latest.
2: Metro Vancouver's e or Emergency Communications Centre, has an emergency of its own. It's getting swamped by 911 calls that it normally would pass on to the requested first responder.
1: 911, please fire ambulance.
2: That's not happening like it should.
1: We have seen some extensive delays in transferring those calls over to BCEHS. Of course, that means that our 911 call takers who do wait on the line with 911 callers are unable to disconnect and go ahead and answer that next one, 911 calling queue.
2: On September 28th, Ecom's CEO and president put out a warning that this is an incredibly serious issue. The risk to public safety as a result of the BCEHS delays is of serious and growing concern. 9 days later, and this tweet from Ecom at 10:55 this morning. We're seeing consistent delays on 911 this AM as our call takers are tied up transferring calls to ambulance. If you hear a recorded message, we need you to stay on the line.
1: What they'll do is they'll disconnect the call, or sometimes our call takers are hearing, you know, other people in the background saying, oh, I'll try calling 911, maybe I'll get through faster. Um, But that's actually not the case. That, in fact, ties up now multiple lines for the same incident.
2: Update 2 at 1249. We're seeing extended wait times on police non-emergency lines as our staff prioritize emergency calls. If possible, try reporting non-urgent crimes online. And someone replied saying, and it's not even Friday yet, tomorrow going to be hell. The Premier was asked about this issue today and he cited the extraordinary situation we have, starting with the pandemic, the challenges of the opioid crisis, and all
6: of it compounded by the heat wave this summer. It's not acceptable to the Minister of Health, it's not acceptable to British Columbians, and that's why uh, the Minister and others will have more to say on that in the... uh, hours ahead. In June this year, the BC Emergency Health Services website reported that changes
2: introduced in the 2019-2022 collective agreement resulted in commitments to create more than 500 new permanent paramedic positions. That
0: was four months ago. Ted Chenecki, Global News. A lucrative annual binning event for low-income people took place at a new location in Vancouver today after being bumped due to a Hollywood production. The eighth annual Coffee Cup Revolution allows binners to collect a dime for every refundable container gathered by them. That's double what they were offered in 2019, but the event was nearly cancelled when the Vancouver Park Board granted a permit to a production called The Mother, starring Jennifer Lopez, to film at Victory Square and the surrounding streets. That's where the Binners Project event would normally take place and was moved down the road to Oppenheimer Park at extra cost to the Binners project in advertising and staff overtime costs. Property crime, assaults and general mayhem, it's all degrading the quality of life in Vancouver's downtown core. How the mayor and others are addressing it, next on the Hour. Shadowy figures busted near Blaine, Washington. What they were up to, according to U.S. border agents, A little later on the News Hour, and how BC-born goalie Carey Price is putting a spotlight on mental health as he steps away from the game. That's also later. Right now though, Vancouver police are releasing a picture of a suspect in a disturbing attack on Tuesday afternoon. Police say a 22-year-old woman waiting for a bus near Knight Street and East 57th was approached by a man who showed her a condom and a pornographic picture on his phone before propositioning her for sex. When she walked away, he kicked her from behind and knocked her to the ground. Luckily, she wasn't seriously hurt. He ran away. The circumstances of this incident are very
10: concerning. It was not only violent, it was sexual in nature. We don't know who the suspect is and we're concerned that somebody else could get hurt. So it's important for us to alert the public that this has happened, but also to appeal to anybody who has information to give us a call
0: So here is a picture of the suspect taken from security footage. He's described as an Asian man in his 20s with a small build and short, dark hair. He was wearing a red ski jacket, a white hoodie, red pleather pants, and an Air Force One pair of basketball shoes. He also had a black and red camouflage backpack. People who live and work downtown report a growing sense of disorder and unease. Vandalism and violence have made downtown Vancouver less a place to be and more of a place to avoid. Now, as Jordan Armstrong reports, the mayor is promising action. Broken glass,
11: broken dreams. Vancouver's streets of despair are on the mind of the city's mayor.
2: The police are shifting resources to uh, higher crime areas, uh, which they normally do anyway. But... uh, In this case, some of those resources will be targeted downtown.
11: It needs to be cleaned up. You could say Mitchell Hood is a bit of an expert on downtown streets. He's been living on them for two years.
4: Look, the crime is rampant. I passed out the other day sleeping beside me after a guy had just gave me $2.50 because I'm homeless, right? Man, the guy robs me and the cigarettes that the guy gave me while I slept.
11: Over on Richard Street, clothing designer and retailer Shelly Claussen says when it comes to street disorder and poverty, in her opinion, both are getting worse.
1: Almost all parts of downtown you have to walk by homelessness on the streets, uh, you know, stepping over bodies on the, on the sidewalk, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking to see and uh, yeah, sadly everyone's starting to get used to it.
11: She adds simply bringing in more cops would fail to address what she calls the big issue.
1: Which is mental health crisis that's happening in our country and the lack of a social safety net that is protecting these people before they hit the streets and before they get on the drugs.
11: Now it just so happens that Thursday afternoon the mayor, as chair of the police board, had a meeting with two health authorities to discuss improved outcomes for people with mental illness and addiction. No word yet if anything was achieved. Next week, the mayor heads to Parliament Hill for a meeting with the Prime Minister. Both Clausen and Hood hope Kennedy Stewart can awaken Ottawa to the suffering on these streets. You
4: guys don't have a system that works. Yeah. Obviously, it needs a full review from an independent auditor.
0: Jordan Armstrong, Global News. I want to warn you now about our next video. It could be disturbing for some people. It's a frightening hit and run that stunned witnesses but ultimately led to an arrest home surveillance camera captured it all Wednesday afternoon. A woman crossing the street with her partner at East 43rd and Beatrice is struck and knocked to the pavement by a car turning left. The driver, who appears to be a woman, gets out first, but then after denying she actually hit the woman gets back into her vehicle and drives away despite efforts to stop her. A witness was able to get the license plate number, and police tracked the driver down and made an arrest for failure to stop at the scene of an accident. The victim was taken to hospital for treatment, and there is no word on her condition. Up ahead, how the 2021 wildfire season surprised even the most experienced firefighters. They'd never seen some of these fires burn like this. Why they say we better start preparing for 2022 right now. And B.C. signs an historic agreement with B.C.'s Blueberry First Nation. What the $65 million deal will do coming up
5: delays and lane closures here in Burnaby 24-7 on the Kensington Overpass at Lowheat Highway for overpass resurfacing. Do expect some minor delays if this is your regular route. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Kensington and Lowheed in Burnaby.
0: B.C.'s wildfire season might be winding down, but a fire chief in the interior is already looking ahead to next year and the years following. He's warning crews will need to be prepared for more intense and aggressive wildfires as our climate changes. Paul Johnson reports.
10: While well, there are many images associated with the seemingly endless 2021 wildfire season, the one most seared into memory is undoubtedly Litton. Not only because it was literally wiped off the map, but because it happened right after the town broke a national high temperature record. We've got to leave town. Lytton was the direct connection between June's heat dome and destructive wildfires. And firefighters in the region want to make sure events like that are a lesson learned. 100,000 hectare fires or 250,000 hectare fires uh, 25, 30 years ago were not common. They were very, they were rarities. Immediately after the heat dome, Kamloops was grappling with what they call an interface fire, one that's burning close to and threatening a community. They prevailed in that fight. But Fire Chief Steve Robinson now is sounding the alarm to be ready for more of these in the immediate future. Things that I've read are looking forward to the future is those events may be more common. So one of the things we have to do is, as a city, what are we looking at to be prepared for such events in the future? As part of that readiness, the Kamloops Fire Department has acquired more of the large sprinklers seen deployed on rooftops across the province this summer. But response has to be improved in a number of dimensions, he says, likely requiring more collaboration between governments and first responders and probably more money. I heard lots of reports from BC Welfare staff that they'd never seen some of these fires burn like this. Paul Johnson, Global News.
0: The Tecumlips to Shwetmig say they expect Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to visit later this month. The revelation comes as the First Nation responds formally to Trudeau's snob on September 30th, instead of spending Canada's first National Day of Truth and Reconciliation with First Nations, Trudeau was on a private holiday in Tofino and has since apologized. The Te to Shwetmek say they're not interested in apologies that don't lead to real change. As a first step to reconciliation, they want the government to fund an indigenous healing center in Kamloops. They expect Trudeau to come prepared with ways to Ottawa can help fund key projects on the road to recovery. The province has reached a settlement that will allow almost 200 natural resource projects to proceed in northeastern BC. The Blueberry First Nation has agreed to a $65 million settlement from the BC government. That money will help rehabilitate land on Treaty 8 territory and restore cultural programs. The First Nations sued after decades of industrial development on lands with the court, agreeing cumulative effects were destroying their traditional hunting and trapping activities.
6: I'm happy today that we have taken a big step forward and there is a lot more to do. We are working toward a long-term approach that will protect and restore the land and then find a place for industry with a healthy environment. There are exciting days ahead. This is truly an historic event.
0: The Blueberry River traditional lands include the massive Site C hydroelectric plant on the Peace River near Fort St. John. Just ahead, some shocking new video from the days immediately after George Floyd died.
4: Be very, very quiet (laughs) for the activists.
0: Outrage over how Minneapolis police treated unarmed protesters. And Carey Price's best save might be himself. Why the NHL's top goalie is taking a break from the game.
5: Traffic is nice and steady in both directions over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge. But do expect some leftover volume eastbound on the east-west connector through Richmond. Planning a trip with BCAA Travel Insurance, you get free COVID-19 medical coverage and worldwide virtual care from BC's top choice. I'm Tristia Wilson in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge.
0: U.S. border agents arrested four people earlier this week for allegedly trying to illegally cross into Washington state from BC. Drone video posted by a chief patrol agent shows Blaine agents taking four subjects into custody who allegedly crossed the border illegally into Whatcom County. The four are seen walking through an open field and then hiding near a road. A fifth person then walks along the road before a vehicle and additional people appear. A spokesperson for U.S. Customs and Border Protection says the four people were from India and were transferred to the Northwest Ice Processing Center in Tacoma. Shocking newly released body camera video is shedding more light on how police officers in Minneapolis responded during the unrest that immediately followed George Floyd's murder and a warning. The images might be upsetting. The video shows officers driving through the city, firing less lethal rounds at protesters
12: and cheering about it as they do. Yeah. On May 30th, 2020, five days after George Floyd was killed, a group of Minneapolis police officers was patrolling Lake Street and enforcing curfew with rubber bullets.
13: Let him have it, boys! Let him have it! Get
14: out of there! Right there! Get him! Get him! Get him. Hit, him! hit him!
12: In body camera footage from the night, the officers express disdain for protesters and appear enthusiastic about going after them. Gotcha! This officer's congratulated after his shot.
9: Really
10: <laughs> you guys are out hunting people now, and it's just a nice change of tempo. Yep, agreed. these people.
12: In another clip, an officer impersonates the Looney Tunes character, Elmer Fo...
10: Be very, very quiet.
12: Officers can be seen popping tires. All this video was released by Jaleel Stallings' attorney. The officers shot rubber bullets at Stallings that night, and Stallings, who had a gun he was permitted to carry, fired back three quick shots. Stallings went to the ground once officers started rushing at him, and they beat him for about 30 seconds. He was acquitted last month of eight criminal charges against him, including second-degree attempted murder. A BC born
0: hockey superstar is the latest elite athlete to focus the world's attention on mental health. The NHL and its Players Association are announcing Montreal Canadiens goalie Kerry Price will be laying down the pads and stepping off the ice. John Waugh explains why and what impact his decision might have. I shot right on rebound! He's the definition of calm amidst chaos.
15: Precision under extreme pressure. Stop. Now, Montreal Canadiens netminder Carey Price is leaving his crease to square up against the stigma of mental health.
10: The Carey story is something that makes us realize that you know these young kids have, these young players have all have uh, they're human being. The
15: Vesna Trophy winner and BC native taking a leave from the game for a minimum of 30 days while voluntarily seeking support from the NHL's Player Assistance Program. His wife, Angela, posting on Instagram, we hope we can communicate the importance of putting your mental health first, not just by saying it, but by showing up and doing the work to get better. Kerry's showing up for himself and our family.
12: Kerry's really demonstrating, especially to the youth, that it is okay to take time away from the game and to focus on yourself.
15: News of his decision rippling through Indigenous communities throughout B.C., where Price is described as a beacon of light and role model.
1: He is a hero
15: here. Every single person looks up to him as uh, a statement of what this region is capable of. This strong message sent at a time when so many First Nation communities are struggling in search of truth and reconciliation. There's a lot of triggers and a lot of trauma that continues to get brought up. Making sure that we're reaching out and we're asking for help. The bravery shown by Price building on the legacy of former Vancouver Canuck Rick Rippin. Whose mental health struggles and death by suicide sparked a critical conversation in the world of sport.
8: His legacy is, is that today, hockey players at the highest level are publicly acknowledging that they need help.
15: Mental health organizations like Foundry and the Mind Right for Athlete Society say Price's actions will inspire others to seek help. The play now is to ensure the proper supports are in place. John
0: Hua, Global News. Just ahead, a lonely artist finds his match.
13: I wrote her and uh, we went from there.
0: A BC couple sharing a love story that surprised them both. And coming up in sports, you can already hear the chants, Gino, Gino. The former Canucks enforcer gets an honor he deeply deserves. That and more coming up.
11: Here is your Wines of British Columbia question of the day.
0: What is the process for which grape juice changes into wine? A. Distillation B. Fermentation C. Germination
11: Stay tuned after the break for the answer.
0: The answer to the wines of British Columbia question is B. During fermentation, yeasts transform sugars present in the juice into ethanol and carbon dioxide.
11: You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
0: Yes, you are. And what a beautiful day it turned out to be. Let's check in to, to see how many more of these we get this fall. There's Christy. How are you doing, Christy?
5: I'm good, thanks so much, Chris. I know a lot of people decided to take an extra long weekend. That was a smart call because we've got a pretty nice day in store for us on Friday, uh, but it has been cold. I don't know if you noticed the difference, especially at night and the temperatures have dropped in a lot of areas across the province. So has the freezing level. Here's a look at Mount Chiem. This is looking out from Chilliwack. Thank you to Jackie Gardner for sending us that. Nice dusting of snow. Uh, so that's a beautiful shot. We had also some snowfall on the uh, connector and look at this from earlier today. Rogers Pass was a complete mess. Now it's not that way now things have warmed up during the day but again tonight we're going to see many areas drop down below the freezing mark or at least close to so uh, certainly inland regions frost that's the case up towards Whistler as well um, certainly in the central interior and through the northern regions. All right so this is what we're tracking for tomorrow morning we'll see some cloud cover here across the lower mainland but the bulk of the moisture is going to stay across the west coast of Vancouver Island the central coast and north coast regions. This frontal system that that is there is really weakening as it does so we're super lucky we're not going to see much so that's why i was saying if you decided to take an extra long weekend friday's your day because this next front is going to move in on saturday yes saturday looks like a wet one that's for sure so there's your friday with the majority of that rainfall for the north and central coast inland region sunshine just slightly below seasonal values and that's the case for metro vancouver we'll warm up to about 13 degrees that's not seasonal typically we'd be at about 15 but we'll take it right with the sunshine in the afternoon for our Friday. Saturday, wet by late morning through the afternoon. Chance of showers in the morning on Sunday, but mix of sun and cloud in the afternoon. And we should have a sunny uh, holiday Monday. Keep in mind, that's still a couple days away. So keep tuning back in. I always urge people to remember that when it comes to a long weekend. It's four days or three days, whatever it might be. Uh, So make sure you keep tuning back in. But there's your walking turkey because I think you'll be able to get out there for a walk on Monday, hopefully. All right, tonight's Central Windows weather window is From last evening, uh, or Linnea was out there um, watching her son play soccer, and this gorgeous full rainbow appeared. The kids were getting wet, but at least they, they saw quite a beautiful sight.
0: Wow, even a little bit of double rainbow going on there, too, but that is perfect. Yeah, true. Yeah, thanks
14: very much, Christy. That's great. All right, Squire's here now with a look ahead to sports. Yes, well, um, today they inducted a number of members into the BC Sports Hall of Fame, and one of them was the, uh, I would have to say, one of the favourite all-time Canucks. He's going to the Sports Hall of Fame as well. Quite surprised
16: really honoured, that's for sure.
14: We'll talk with Gito Odjik about his induction and what it means to him. Look forward
0: to that. Also tonight, online dating doesn't have an expiry date. How two senior singles found their match online. All right, Squires here with sports.
14: Yes, you were asking me about Jonah Gajevich. Uh Instead of going to Abbotsford, he's going to go to San Jose. So he's going to get a chance with the Sharks after being claimed off waivers. Vancouver wanted to send him to the Farm Club in Abbotsford, but Gadjevich had the clear waivers to go to Abbey, and the Sharks felt they could use him. He only played one game in the NHL with the Canucks last year, but he scored 28 goals in his last 57 American League hockey games.
0: You know, I thought Gadge had a pretty good camp. Uh, I think the fact that we put him down, we, we knew it. We knew that going down, we ran that risk, uh, also expected him to play games for us this year at some point. Um, but on the other hand, you're always happy for people when good things happen to them, and, and you know, he's going to get a good chance to play there, and, and I'm happy for him because he's a good kid, and, and you want the best for your players.
14: Well, we haven't seen this since March 2nd of earlier this year, Elias Pettersson in a Canucks game, whoop, and Quinn Hughes, oh, that's hooking. So five on three for the Oilers, you know what that means. It means dry sidle and McDavid, and it's dry sidle. One nothing for the Oil. Let's check out Pettersson, here he comes. Still with the puck, still with the puck, Mike Smith with the save. I think he was looking for someone to go with him, but it was all him. Now Pod Colson. just couldn't get that one in. He's looked good the last couple of games, he's going to the net, he's getting chances. Mike Smith, shaken up, should be okay. Mick McDavid scores. Another power play goal for the Oilers, two nothing after one period in Edmonton. Well, the BC Sports Hall of Fame made a great move today by inducting Genealogic, one of the most popular Vancouver Canucks ever. Played eight years in Vancouver in the 90s. Trivia note, first wore number 66 before switching to 29 and was surprised he got the call from the hall.
16: When I got the call, the first two people I thought of was Ron DeLorem because he drafted me and gave me a chance and... uh, Pat Quinn for giving me an opportunity to play for the Canucks, he called me up, and uh, I thought of those two guys and my family, and uh, I I was really honored and
14: touched. Gino, of course, is one of the toughest guys in the NHL when teams needed that kind of player. He never backed down. And when he scored a goal, the cheers at the Pacific Coliseum were deafening.
16: I really got a connection right from the start with the fans. Uh, right from day one, we had a smaller team in 1990 and we were getting pushed around and uh, Pat Quinn called me up and, uh, and right from the first game in Chicago, I got into a couple fights and uh, people were, were, were started cheering me and, and we have a connection for the last 30 years with the fans and uh, the people of British Columbia.
14: If you drop the gloves against Chino, you probably didn't like it very much, but he is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Okay, here are some of the names uh, who were put into the Hall of Fame. Some great names there, ones you'll recognize as well. Dale Mitchell, Gene Koniski. I'm surprised Gene wasn't already in. He right. was Canada's greatest athlete, and I wish he was alive to see it. And my very good friend Karen Larson in as a media member. Good for her. Uh, also going into the Hall of Fame, uh, the uh, 1961-62 Vancouver Firefighters soccer team, and Ron Jones, who's done so much good stuff in BC. Speaking of great BC athletes, as you heard earlier in the show, Habs goalie Carey Price is going to take an indefinite leave of absence from the Montreal Canadiens, voluntarily entering the NHL's Players' Assistant Program to deal with some mental health issues. And when asked about what Carey Price means to everybody in hockey, and his fans, and his friends, and his family, Habs GM Mark Bergevin got very emotional and could barely answer the question.
2: Yeah, I know. It's
14: hard. That's all he could get out. The Seahawks tonight against the Rams. The Seahawks have never lost wearing the action green. 4-0. Plus, Russell Wilson is 9-1 lifetime on Thursday nights. Helps when you have a defense doing this. Quandre Diggs with a great interception there. Those are receiver hands, and the peace of mind to get the feet in bounds. First touchdown, only touchdown in the first half, DK Metcalf. Good luck trying to tackle him. And who meets him on the sidelines for the big hug? Pete Carroll. And then the Seahawks defense again, third and short? No, take a field goal instead. And it's 7-3 Seattle after uh, 30 minutes. Okay. Baseball playoffs, Red Sox, Rays, game one, ALDS, best of five. Rays jump on the Red Sox quick. Wander Franco to the gap and left center. That'll bring in a run. Tampa leads by the score of one nothing. Has Tampa not won enough in the last calendar year? Two Stanley Cups and a Super Bowl, and this team was in the World Series last year but didn't win. All right, Astros and White Sox started their series, this in Houston, Just so you know, we heard no banging of garbage cans. This win was much cleaner than the one the Astros had when they (laughs) won the World Series a few years ago. Uh, Jordan Alvarez with a solo home run to right field. Easy win over Chicago in Game 1 as Houston takes it 6-1. There you go. Great stuff. Thanks very much, Squire.
0: An artist's attempt to find true love and the secret message he put in a painting when he found it. Next. Well, they say love is eternal, and sometimes it feels like the search for love is eternal, too. But the couple you're about to meet proves, at 79 years old, it's better late than never. On tonight's This Is B.C., Jay Durant has the story of how silver singles turned into a golden relationship for Jim and Audrey. It was his art that helped Jim Adams through those
9: lonely days. After his wife died in 2017, he found some comfort in his studio.
13: As someone said to me, uh, uh, you never get over it, you just get used to it.
9: But the house became too quiet, he said. So, about a year ago, he took a shot at an online dating service called Silver Singles.
13: I don't need that much quiet. I need something more in my life. I need an, a, a connection. I need someone to talk to, you know, someone to, to hold hands with, you know. And so I tried.
9: At the same time Jim decided to sign up, Audrey Coots was just about to close down her profile.
1: Men would contact me and the message would be, contact me if you like, or I like your picture.
9: But these two had an instant connection and things move fast. Jim and Audrey just got married less than a year after first meeting. A whirlwind pandemic romance, despite an awkward but amusing first date at a bistro when Jim suddenly disappeared for a bit.
13: I come back in and I sit down again and I said... I had to
9: go home because I forgot my wallet. (laughs) There is nothing flashy in their profile descriptions that first matched them up, just honesty. At six foot eight, Jim was very honest that he was looking for a tall woman. And wouldn't you know it, Audrey is five foot ten.
13: Makes me feel uh, a little bit more at ease to have someone whose head is closer to mine.
9: Even before Jim proposed, he added a ring to a painting that's now part of an exhibit currently hanging in the Vancouver Art Gallery. On the ring, the name of the woman he already knew he would spend the rest of his life with.
5: Saying the vows
1: and holding each other's hand um, was very emotional.
9: It was a small reception on their wedding day, just family, and no honeymoon yet. The excitement of this past year is enough for now.
13: I told everybody when I thanked them for coming, I said, and now we're going to go home. I'm going to put the laundry in a dryer and we're going to sit down and take a nap. Which is what we did.
9: Jay
0: Durant, Global News. How sweet are Jim and Audrey. I'm so happy for them. All right. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something that's unique to BC that We need to know about and you want to share, then make sure you email your ideas to Jay. The email address is thisisbcatglobalnews.ca. Isn't that amazing? All right, uh, sun's going down and it's getting dark behind Christy, but you'll get the last word on weather tonight.
5: Thanks, Chris. So dry overnight. We'll see some cloud cover tomorrow morning, but actually a really nice day to kick off the long weekend. Although Saturday, not as much of a great day. By late morning hours, we'll likely see the rain develop. So if you can get in a soccer game earlier, that's when you could be dry. Afternoon should be wet as well. Sunday, just a chance of showers. Drier if they're later in the day. And then we should see some sunshine on Monday. But again, it's a long weekend, everyone. So make sure you keep tuning back in for a refinement on that <laughs> forecast.
0: The turkey will still be trodden. I think that turkey should move a little faster. (laughs) Let's hope it escapes. All right. Thanks very much, everybody. uh, And thanks for watching. Have a great night.